Okay, we've been studying in uh, Psalms uh, 51, and, and we had a, a couple, uh, I think we had a snow, and then we had a different lesson, and, uh, and then a lesson that uh, Rhonda inspired uh, me with uh, what she'd put on Facebook. We're not, we're not called to uh, shine, let our light shine, we're called to reflect His, and, and I'm still being blessed by uh, that uh, that post. So we'll get back to Psalms 51 this morning. And uh, I don't know if we'll go all the way through or not, but we haven't stopped so far. Uh, we're in uh, verse 9, but let me go back to verse 1 and read up to uh, verse 9. Psalm 51 and verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. So here he's asking God, the psalmist is asking God to have mercy on him. Not because he deserved it, but because of his loving kindness. I was going to read it this morning, but I'm not. But if you have time this week, go to Psalms 136. And I remember Brother Olson teaching on that on Wednesday night. And uh, I forget how many verses are in it, but every verse ends with, for his mercy endureth forever. And I remember uh, on Wednesday night, Austin would teach, you know, he might get two or three verses. I'm not sure how many he got. But he'd read that whole psalm every time. And at first I thought, well, why is he reading the whole thing every time? But when you really think about it, for his mercy endureth forever you could just read that forever, couldn't we? When we understand mercy and, and what a blessing it is. So anyway, so one, Psalms 136, sometime today or something, uh, read that. It's uh, a, gr a great blessing. And it says, verse 2, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So here the psalmist is asking that the Lord would wash him. We know Job talked about that washing. He says, if I wash myself with snow, make my hands never so clean, yet thou shalt plunge me in a ditch, my own clothes shall whore me. So here, he's not saying, well, I'll wash myself up, Lord, so I'll look better in your sight. Uh, no, that doesn't work. So he's asking the Lord, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, asking that the Lord do that. For I acknowledge my transgression, my sin is there before thee. He's acknowledging he was a sinner. And uh, verse 4, against thee and thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Not only did he acknowledge that he was a sinner, but he was a sinner from birth. Or from conception is the better way of saying it. Adam's blood is how we're all sinners. And I'm not blaming on Adam and justifying myself. If it wasn't Adam or anybody else, it would be me, of course. But uh, that's, that's how sin uh, came. Six, behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me know wisdom. And I, in my Bible, I, I underline that word make. Thou shalt make me know wisdom. We wouldn't know it if he didn't do it. 
Thou shalt make me know wisdom. And uh, if we say he allowed me to know wisdom or I studied a lot and got wisdom, you see where that takes the honor and glory from him and gives it to us. And then it says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. So we looked at hyssop and uh, I'm not as concerned about the makeup of this plant and everything like that as to what it was used for. And, and the psalmist was asking that the Lord would cleanse him with hyssop. But hyssop was used in some different ways. And, and one of them comes to mind, first of all, uh, when the Passover, they would take the blood of the lamb and shed it and, and have it in a basin. And then they'd take hyssop and put it there and put it on the lintel and on the two side posts. There's other uses for hyssop. <coughs> but the psalmist knew that. Lord, cleanse me with, with hyssop. And there's other uses of it too, and we won't, we won't go back into that. Verse 8, we looked at uh, the last time. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. And uh, I was blessed as I saw this for the first time. And I thought, well, has the Lord uh, made you break any bones and... Did you rejoice? I told you about my little toe one time. I stubbed it and it just sticking out like that. And I thought, that ain't right. Uh, I didn't rejoice. Uh, some other times I have broken bones. So would you, is that what he's asking? And we found out, no, it's not. This word bones, if we would use the Hebrew word, means uh, strength. And you say... Well, that, that's talking about your skeletal system because that's where your, that's where your strength comes from. Uh, and we could debate that uh, physically. Uh, I could say your strength comes from your muscles. Skeletal system with the muscles is a physical strength, but just bones by itself... Uh, you know, if you have a skeleton kind of wired together and let go, what happens? It just tumbles down. There's no strength there. If you don't have the skeleton, all you got the muscles, well, it's more like a jellyfish or something, I guess. So, but what it's talking about, and, and what a great blessing it is, when it says, uh, make me hear joy and gladness that the, that the strength which thou hast broken may rejoice. So if we take that word bones and put strength there, it, it's easier to understand because that's what the Hebrew word means. So we look about maybe I, I look at people on television and I watched a few so-called preachers this morning on television and they talk about their strength, their abilities. This one, I chose the Lord. And that word I, I chose must have been 20 or 30 times during the little portion that I heard. Scripture tells us that we would choose darkness rather than light, but yet I chose the Lord. Uh, many other things that I hear like that, but anyway, they have great strength. When Daniel saw a vision of the Lord, what did he say? We read that last time. Daniel saw this vision of the Lord, and he says, And I retained no strength. 
So when the Lord brings us to that place, when he breaks our strength, and we realize we're all dependent upon him and his mercy, then we rejoice. We joy that it's not according to our strength. So I think it was a, well, it was a blessing to me, and I pray that it was to you. Uh, make me hear joy and gladness that the bone, that the strength which thou hast broken may rejoice. And you know, I'm getting sidetracked, but the clock's not moving, so I'm still okay. <laughs> uh, but can we really rejoice until he breaks our strength? I remember days gone by, and uh, I would think of God. And, you know, you, you hear people, well, be good, you go to heaven, be bad, you go to the other place. And, of course, they leave it in your hands to be good or, or be bad. I didn't rejoice. I'll tell you what I did. I've confessed it before. The old building out of Arabia... I didn't even want to drive by it. I didn't want to be reminded of it. I didn't rejoice. But when the Lord brought me back uh, as a young adult and, and now, oh, I rejoice that he's broken my strength. And I realize that totally, I'm totally depraved. I'm totally dependent upon him. Then we rejoice because we know he won't fail. Okay, so now verse 9. The psalmist goes on and says, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. So we see what the psalmist is asking. Is this uh, something that, that uh, we would pray? Is he correct? Is he incorrect? Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. What if we're not blotted out? To each of you as an individual, what if we're not blotted out? Uh, I'm not going to ask you to do it, but if I said, okay, if, if he didn't blot, blot yours out, would you be okay? Let me see a show of hands. I'm not asking that, but would anybody raise their hand? I'd be okay. If he didn't blot out, because uh, I see these other people, and, and I'll be okay. Don't think anybody in here would say that. But I know we have recorded in Scripture some that would. So I ask the question, if he didn't blot them out, <laughs> would you be okay? Psalms uh, 130 says, if the Lord mark iniquity, who would stand? Anybody raise their hand to that? Not me. If the Lord mark iniquity, who would stand? But I can read a couple, uh, if we could travel back in time and say, me, me. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 first. Very, very familiar to you, and, and I'm glad that it is. So this was Apostle Paul writing in Philippians. He's writing about when he was Saul. You know, he was Saul of Tarsus. He was a Pharisee. 
Hebrew. Uh, he knew, but the Pharisee, uh, and proud of that, knew the law inside and out. If we could travel back in time before the Lord struck him down, before he saw the light, if we could go back before that, when he was going out having people killed and put in prison that believed in Jesus Christ instead of trusting in the law. So if we could go back there then and ask him, if the Lord mark iniquities, would you be okay? He'd say, yeah, I'd be okay. Because we're going to read what he used to believe. Uh, verse, starting verse 4, Philippians 3 and 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath reason for which he might trust in the flesh, I more. Now what he's saying, now he has been converted, he understands, but he's talking about before when he was a Pharisee under the law, trusting in the law instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in verse 5, so if I, well, in verse 5, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. You know, he gave him a circumcision of the tribe of Benjamin. Hebrew of the Hebrews is touching the law of Pharisee. Pharisees knew the law inside and out. They didn't understand, but they knew it. Uh, and they could quote it, and they could tell you how many feet or meters you could walk on a Sabbath day. They knew all of it. Uh, and then verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So if we'd go back before that time and say, Mr. Saul, if the Lord doesn't blot out iniquities. If the Lord marked iniquities, would you stand? He said, yeah, I'll stand. None of you can compare with me. Touching righteousness and law said, I'm blameless. So he, I, I have no doubt he would have said that. Now, that's my opinion, but I have no doubt he would have said that. In Luke, we'll see somebody else. If we could travel back in time, in Luke uh, chapter 18... This also is a, a Pharisee. And again, Paul, when he was Saul, was a Pharisee. We see what they thought and what they believed and what they trusted in. Uh, so I'm going to go back here. We're going to travel in time again to this one, this Pharisee. If it said, hey, if the Lord's mark iniquities, would you stand? I have no doubt it said, yep. I'll be okay. Well, let's read it. And we've read it recently, but uh, it's just on my mind again this morning as we looked at this lesson. Uh, Luke 18 and 9. And he spoke uh, this parable unto certain who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. See, Paul was a Pharisee. When he was Saul, that's what he. That's exactly what he trusted in. Uh, trusted in. Uh, they trusted in themselves that they were righteous, and they despised others. Did Paul despise others? He had them killed and beaten, put in prison, and and forced them to blaspheme the name of the Lord. So yes, he hated others. Thought he was much better than others. So now we're going to see the difference. So um, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other tax collector or publican. We talked about that. Not highly thought of. 
The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, now he's, he's using God, talking about God. God, I thank thee. He said, well, anything that follows had to be good, wouldn't it? Because he's giving God honor and glory. God, I thank thee. We'll see, that's not the case. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust men, or uh, uh, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not even lift up so much as his eyes to heaven, but smote uh, upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Uh, so if we travel back in time to this Pharisee as he was going uh, to the uh, temple here to worship and said, listen, Mr. Pharisee, if the Lord marked iniquities, would you stand? Oh, and he would have said, yes. You know he would have. Yeah, I do. This, look at what I do. How many do you know in the religious world today think that way? So, uh, I ask a question here when the, the uh, psalmist asks, uh, Hide thy face in my sins and blot out all my iniquities. What if he didn't? Could you stand? Some people think they could. Uh, Let's, but let's, uh, let's look at this openly. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 16. So uh, he asked the Lord, uh, hide thy face from my sins. And uh, Jeremiah, so is that a, 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 a request that's okay to ask? Hide your face from my sins is that is that possible uh, Jeremiah 16 and verse 17 for mine eyes are upon all their ways they are not hidden from my face Neither is there iniquity hidden from mine eyes. So he said, listen, none of us hidden. But then our psalmist is saying, hide your face of my sins. This says, not hidden. So was that a reasonable request uh, of the uh, psalmist? Can anything be hidden from the sight of God? Book of Job, chapter 34. Job, chapter 34. And uh, verse 21. For the eyes, for his eyes are upon the ways of man. And he seeth all his goings. 
There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. So it's, there's nothing hidden. No place to hide. Uh, Proverbs 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Hebrews says, All things are naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do with. So, David's request, does it make sense? Is it okay to ask for something like that? He said, Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Well, we've seen there, everything's open, everything's naked, nothing hidden. Uh, so is it possible for this God, this creator of the heavens and the universe, is it possible for things to be hidden from him? Isaiah uh, chapter 44. And again, we still ask a question. <laughs> if the Lord marked iniquities, who would stand? But we're, what we're seeing here might make, uh, make us a little uncomfortable if, uh, well, until we see. Isaiah 44 and uh, 21 Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for thou art my servant. I have formed thee. Thou art my servant, O Israel. Thou shalt not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out like a thick cloud thy transgression, and like a cloud thy sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed thee. Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth, break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest and every tree therein. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. So he redeemed him through his mercy. But we see that, so there he, he tell in, in Job, he says, I blotted out like a thick cloud thy transgressions. So whenever we... The Lord brings us to that knowledge. He blotted out your transgressions. I mean, now, <clears throat> before the Lord began to open my eyes, I looked at everything's open before him. No place to hide. Didn't want to be reminded of it. Didn't want to drive by the church building. But then we see this. I blotted out like a thick cloud thy transgressions. So when you were in that place, you thought it was up to you by being good and so forth. And then he brings you to the place, I blotted out your transgressions. How do you feel? I think we kind of feel like verse 23, Sing, O heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Shout, Lord, parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, O ye mountains. I mean, what greater news could you possibly get that the Lord had done it? He blotted out your transgressions. I, uh, you feel like saying, you hills and mountains, 
Rejoice, sing out. Look what the Lord's done for me. I know we've had things, uh, good things happen to us maybe. And, uh, and we might want to share that news with people. Oh, this happened to me. Uh, and you want people to be happy with you. This happened. Well, this is something, I don't think there's any words to really describe it other than the Lord's done it. Sing out, are you mountains? Just, I, I, I guess there's no words to describe it, but that's, I guess, the nearest we can. It's, it's not a bad way of starting. Sing, are you heavens? The Lord hath done it. Shout, lower parts of the earth. Break forth in singing, O ye mountains. Sun shining. So, uh, can the Lord blot out our sins, our transgressions? I ask you, what if he didn't? Would you be okay? Well, the Pharisees said, yeah, we're okay. But we see here what this is in, in Isaiah. And we read where the, everything before the Lord, but here it shows us that the Lord has blotted them out. There, he, he has hidden them from his eyes. In uh, Isaiah 43 and verse 25. I even, I, even I am he who blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Of course, many don't know what sins are, but irregardless, doesn't that make you shout with joy? Mountains, how can you, how can you be silent and you sing and, and shout, you know? Look what the Lord has done. And we feel that in our hearts. Jeremiah... Chapter 50. So, we read earlier about Israel. He says, I see your sins and iniquities. There's no place to hide. Everything's naked and open before me. Told that to Israel. And it's the same. Israel, God's elect people in that age. God's elect people now. God's had elect people throughout all the ages. But he told him, he says, you, you know, your sins and iniquities, they're open before my eyes. Everything's naked before I see everything. There's no dark clouds to hide it. But look at this. In Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 20, we're talking about a... Uh, a different time period now, different time period. Jeremiah 50 and 20. In those days, and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for, and there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, and they shall not be found, for I will pardon them whom I reserve. Again, mountains shout out. So we know Israel did, and their sins and iniquities were open before him. But now he said, there's going to be a time. They're going to 
Okay, where's their sins and iniquities? Not to be found. Uh, Satan, our accuser, may be at a judgment seat. Here's all these things. <laughs> They're not to be found. Redeemed. Very familiar in Romans. We won't go there. Romans chapter 8. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? So Satan will, will try to. Is there going to be any found? Not going to be any found, is there? They're going to be searched for. And they're not found. It might, if I try to visualize something, and this is stupid, I apologize for it, but maybe we're at a particular uh, judgment kind of thing, and uh, your name will be called. Okay, you're up next before God in judgment. And Mr. Prosecutor, Mr. Satan, what have you got to say? Oh, I've got this, uh, I've got this whole list of things to get this person. And he opens it up. It's blank. It's blank. Been redeemed. Not to be found. And again, Romans, he said, uh, who shall lay anything to the, jar to the charge of God's elect? Shall God that justifieth? When this is all, and, and again, I said, I apologize, but I, I visualize things a lot. But when Satan goes up there, and he thinks he's got all these things, is God going to lay anything to your charge? No, he's going to turn to this. Well, there's, there's nothing, to, nothing to be found. No payment due. It's been paid. It's been redeemed. Uh... I'm not going to have time to, to finish this. Let's see what we want to do. Uh, and we can think of the, the scapegoat. Uh, of course, he tells us as far as the east is from the west, so far as your sin has been removed from you. We think of the scapegoat where one was killed, the other one he put his uh, hand on the head, the priest did, and he was drove off into the wilderness, never to be seen again. That's, that's your sins. And the Lord has redeemed us out of his sight, hidden from his sight, if you will. Just like, and I know it, it may seem funny saying, well, God can't see this. Well, it's God's will. But think of the Passover. Take the lamb, the blood, put it on the linen on two side posts. When I, uh, uh, whenever I pass over, or whenever I uh, see the blood, I'll pass over. Does he see who's behind here? Not in the sense of what they did. Yeah, his elect, I see, he sees it in that respect. But does he see sins through this blood? And the answer is no. And that's God's plan. So the psalmist was not at all uh, incorrect in asking that the Lord would blot out, hide it from your eyes. And how does he do that? Well, Buddy, Buddy read this morning in Isaiah 53. How fitting. He took his son and put him on the cross and, and smote him. They would pay the price. 
In other words, the blood would be up here. And when he sees the blood, you're chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. When he sees the blood, he'll pass over. He doesn't see that. That's by his design. Not that God can't, but that's by his design. We could talk about uh, the old covenant and the, and the new covenant. Now, the old covenant's dead and ready to pass away, and then the new covenant and everything. Uh, but we just don't have time to, to do that. Uh, John and his disciples was with him, and they saw the Lord walking. And John said, Behold, and I, I assume he's probably pointing his finger. I'm doing that anyway. But behold, the Lamb of God taketh away the sin of the world. Now, he's talking about the world of his elect, but he's pointing them out. Behold, the Lamb of God. And they knew about lambs and sacrifices and everything, of course. They could see it was a man walking on two legs and everything. No comeliness that he'd be desired as far as that goes. He said, Behold, there he is. That's the Lamb of God that taketh away your sins. And God said, When I see the blood, I'll pass over. So, when our psalmist said, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Yes, that's what we ask. That's what we're grateful for. We're thankful that he blotted out our sins, thankful that they're going to be nowhere to be found. Even when we was in a point that we looked uh, for our own self-righteousness instead of Christ. We looked at our own self-righteousness not realizing that it's all filthy rags. We're bypassing Jesus Christ and we think it's according to what we do. What... what you say, well, what's the bad about that? Here's a way to look at it. Uh, so let's say it's according to what we do. So you've done what you feel is okay. Like that Pharisee, he was doing what he felt was okay, didn't he? I do this, I do that, not like this guy. So we go up to the pearly gates, as they say. And he gets ready to, to go in there, and he sees Jesus sitting there. Nail prints in his hands, and his side, and scars up here. And he says, you know, there's a mighty noble thing that you did going to the cross, but I'm here, and I'm going in based on what I did. What is that saying? What is that saying about him? Saying say he was a fool. He died on the cross. Wasn't you, didn't you have any more knowledge than that? Wasn't you any smarter than that? You did that knowing that the way is for us to do this. Is that a sin? Saying that the Son of God was in vain and what he did didn't do anything? I can't think of anything greater, but... As we, in our own minds in past, kind of close to that, get to heaven on what I do. But when you get there, that's not to be found. 
May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.